Shane Beamer clarified some comments that he made after the Vanderbilt game at his Tuesday press conference. Plus, Cam Smith drops a bombshell. Well, kind of. We'll be discussing all that today right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. Real quick, want to apologize for not having the show come out earlier this morning. There were some massive technical issues that I ran into while editing the show yesterday evening, and so I pretty much just had to scrap everything that I had done and just decide that I would decide to go on here or come on here and do a live show for all of you today in order to make up for all that. So real quickly, want to apologize for all that. But we got a lot to unpack on today's show. And let's start off with some clarifications that Shane Beamer made at his press conference on Tuesday afternoon. Now, you might be wondering what I'm talking about. Well, I'm referring to the comments that Shane Beamer made after the Vanderbilt game where he told a certain portion of the fan base for certain reasons that they needed to find some joy. And it was apparent to Coach Beamer that some fans did not take his comments the right way. So he decided to sort of, you know, go back and try to make sure that he hammered home what his goal was with his find some joy comments. So here's a quick two and a half minute clip of what he said, because I think that pretty much everything he said in this comment or in his opening remarks is very important pertaining to this entire issue. So here is that clip of Shane Beamer's comments on all of this. On another note, I know somehow this has become like a, a narrative, so I want to go back like two or three weeks to after the Vanderbilt game because I believe there's a misconception that I called out our fan base for criticism, which could not have been further from the truth. For those of you that were in the room that night, listen to the soundbite, and I said that there was a small portion of the fan base that when they found out that Marshawn Lloyd was not playing in the Vanderbilt game, probably thought that it was over, that we didn't have a chance to beat Vanderbilt. And I said it's the same group or same mentality that when Luke Doty got hurt in August of last year, that so many people thought our season was going to go in the toilet after that. And I said that we have to get past that as a fan base and find some joy. I did not say that I'm not subject to criticism. 
I am certainly open to criticism. I'm a head football coach, and I'm the leader of this program. So fire the criticism at me because certainly I uh, um, can take it. I grew up the son of a head football coach. I understand what this chair entails. I dealt with criticism of my father growing up. I've dealt with criticism as an assistant coach, and now I've, uh, as a head coach, you deal with criticism. So I get it. That's part of the job, and by no means was I not was I calling out our fan base. There's an old adage, if you don't know it, look it up, called Murphy's Law, that if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen. And I've been hearing about that ever since I was an assistant coach here at South Carolina, about curses and things like that. There's no dang curse, all right? And my message, what I was trying to say that night in Nashville, was that we need to get past the negative mindset of just waiting for something bad to always happen here, and that something bad is right around the corner. Uh, and that's when I use the expression, find some joy. So I get it. With the way we played against Florida the other night, there wasn't a lot of joy in that, nor do I expect people to find a lot of joy in that. But I also am not going to be on an emotional roller coaster every single week as a head football coach and the leader of this football program either. And I'm going to try and find the positives in everything. And when uh, we have an injury, whether it be to Marshawn Lloyd against Vanderbilt or Luke Doty last year in preseason camp or Jordan Strawn and Bo Caba, against Arkansas this year, or Cam Smith who missed games because of an injury, or who, CBS, or whoever it might be, um, it's the next man up mentality and not, oh my God, what are we going to do right now because this guy's missing. So that's the message I was trying to make that, that night in Nashville. Hopefully you guys that were in that room realize that because uh, apparently it's taken on this whole other narrative that Shane is criticizing the greatest fans in America, which is not the case. So anyway. Okay, so obviously there's a few different things to unpack here with Coach Beamer's comments here. So, firstly, I do think that it's understandable where he's coming from from an overall standpoint regarding that contingent of fans who do believe that the Gamecocks are just bound to have bad things happen to them, more so compared to other programs. Now, in terms of the narrative that got created around these comments and how he was aiming this at the entire fan base, which, as he just said, was not his intended purpose, there's a couple reasons why I think this narrative manifested. The first reason is the fact that he said this after defeating the Vanderbilt Commodores, of all people. Now, I know that part of the reason he brought it up was, as he mentioned, because Marshawn Lloyd, of course, was out for that game against the Commodores. The Gamecocks are coming off a real bad loss to the Missouri Tigers, quite frankly, the weekend prior. And so, kind of like the Luke Doty situation from the preseason this past year, a lot of Gamecock fans did freak out about Marshawn Lloyd's injury, thinking that, you know, South Carolina can now actually lose the game because they didn't have just that one player. So, for that reason, I can understand why he would have brought it up. But the overall idea of saying something like this after you just play the Vanderbilt Commodores, which, just to remind everyone, a team that South Carolina has defeated 14 years in a row, a team that had gone almost three whole seasons without winning a conference game until the good old Kentucky Wildcats laid a goose egg this past Saturday— so no fans are going to find, quote-unquote, joy in defeating the Vanderbilt Commodores for those two reasons. And the other thing is, fans, in a way, are sick and tired of having to wait around for games like the Vanderbilt game. Games that they can, you know, sit back and go, 
Oh, boy. Okay. I don't think I have to really worry that much about whether or not the team is going to perform well this weekend because of the opponent that they're facing. Because, let's be honest, South Carolina has not been able to consistently beat any other team in the division in recent years. That's just a fact. And, of course, Shane Beamer's trying to change that. That's not all his fault. It goes back to the Will Muschamp tenure. But... You know, you're going to inherit all of the criticism that was directed formerly at that regime. Now, it's going to be directed at you because you are the leader of the program. And it does seem like he has a good understanding of that. Another reason why I think this man, excuse me, another reason why I think this narrative manifested is because of what happened to the team this past weekend. Because the thing is, with this entire narrative regarding his find some joy comments, the weird thing is... I didn't really hear a word of this the week leading into the Florida game because the Gamecocks were just coming off of a win. But since the loss against the Gators, at least that following Sunday and Monday after that whole debacle took place in Gainesville, I did hear a lot more about those find some joy comments because the fan base was a lot more emotionally charged. There were a lot of fans that were understandably so very upset. And so they took a comment like that and they ran with it. And in certain cases, not a lot of cases, but certain cases, some fans did sort of twist around the context around his original comments. So the bottom line is everything that's happened with the team this year hasn't helped in with the responses that Coach Beamer has received from some fans. That has also added some fuel to the fire because, again, a lot of fans are understandably frustrated because of what's happened with the team this year. The team currently is at 6-4 and four now. They're staring at a 6-6 six and six record to end the regular season, and now more than likely are probably going to go to a low-grade bowl game for the SEC Conference, probably somewhere like Birmingham or Shreveport, if Shreveport is still associated with the conference. And so you combine all of that, and it's pretty easy to see why there was some backlash with those comments after losing a game like you did against the Florida Gators. Not saying that that makes it all right, but... It's probably a good thing for Coach Beamer that he did go back and clarify those comments to ensure that the fans understand as a whole. I wasn't taking a shot at all of you, but he is also right to a certain extent that there is a certain mentality that has grown because of all of these bad seasons the Gamecocks have had over their program's history that need to change. The Gamecocks cannot sit there and continue to think that they're just bound for doom and gloom, that you know there is a possibility to make good things happen for yourself. And you know, of course, Gamecock fans are going to sit there and probably go, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And that's just the way it's going to be until things change in the future for the better. So that was what Shane Bieber wanted to do with his opening remarks at his Tuesday press conference. But that was not the only big comment that was made on Tuesday afternoon, because there was a star defensive player that alluded to the fact that this coming Saturday, the game against the Tennessee Volunteers that's taking place in Williams-Brice might be his last home game ever as a Gamecock. Who am I referring to here? I'll dive into all of that in just a few moments. But first, I want to ask y'all something. Are you a small business owner or manager that feels like the hiring process is a high-stakes wager because you want to get the best qualified candidates available? You want access to those candidates? Well, there's an easy way to get around this kind of conundrum, and that's by using LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes both for your own personal network and the worldwide professional network that consists of 810 million people. You can also add this job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T. 
it uses tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate the right team member to help your small business finish out the year strong. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million, yes, you heard that right, 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn. If this fits your current situation, why sit and wait around? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions still apply, and we'll be back in just a couple moments. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right. So Cam Smith was one of the players that met with the local media at the Tuesday press conferences for this week. And when being asked a bunch of these questions, a lot of people were sort of knocking around the idea that, you know, hey, this could be your last time ever suiting up in the Garden Black in Williams-Brice. And it all culminated to a point where a reporter just finally decided, you know what, I'll ask the hard question. Hey, Cam, are you coming back this next year or do you plan on this being your final home game? And here's what Cam Smith had to say in his response. Uh, are you playing, playing for Saturday to be your last game at Willie B or is that decision still uh, Yeah. So there you go. Cam Smith, it seems like for the most part, is planning on this being his final home game in Williams-Brice. And if so, what a career he has had as a South Carolina Gamecock. Cam Smith right now seems like he is the next in line out of a couple of really solid defensive backs that have come out of South Carolina over the last 15 years. Of course, when I allude to this group, the first players that come to mind are former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, who currently plays for the for the Indianapolis Colts. Gee whiz. You also think about former eighth overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft in J.C. Horn, who has had a really solid second season in the NFL and looks like he could easily make it to multiple Pro Bowls and be a potential All-Pro corner in his career trajectory. Cam Smith looks like he is next in line. I think that Cam Smith, in my personal opinion, has done more than enough to earn the right to go ahead and declare early. I mean, he has been a starter now for two years. He's been rated by most people as one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country in terms of his coverage, the amount of completions he's given up. And there's a lot of mock draft analysts out there that have consistently rated Cam Smith as a first-round cornerback that will come off the board. So, essentially, Cam Smith is, as of this moment, as long as there's no injuries and he performs well at the Combine, looking at being a multi-millionaire quite literally overnight. I don't know anyone on this planet that would turn down that kind of opportunity, especially when you put in this much work in order to earn that chance. Not to mention the fact 
he has a kid now that he has to look after and he is trying to raise. And so he's got a lot of responsibility now that he has to deal with both on the field and off the field. So if this is indeed his final game that he is ever going to play williams Bryce, cherish every bit of it because Cam Smith, again, one of the most talented cornerbacks that this school has seen come through here in recent memory. And of course, there'll probably be a couple other guys, more particularly Jordan Birch at defensive end, who the Gamecock fan base will be awaiting to hear what their final decision is going to be regarding whether or not they are going to leave for the NFL draft. A lot of big decisions upcoming for some of South Carolina's most talented players on this roster. But you can officially cross Cam Smith off the list as it seems like there's a 99.5% chance that he is pretty much done as a Gamecock after this season. He might even end up forfeiting the bowl game, which I will say right now, not to get into this whole debate, I know some people basically call players quitters at that point. Uh, Look, there's no point in playing one more game. That's not really going to do a whole lot in terms of changing the program's historical status. When you are trying to get ready to fulfill your biggest dream of playing in the NFL and potentially risking injury and all that sort is just something that doesn't make sense. So if he does make that decision, just prepare yourself for that. And yeah, don't get on him for that because he has more than earned it with the amount of time and effort he has put in already as a South Carolina Gamecock. So Cam Smith, thanks for everything you've done for the program. And with that being said, of course, there's still a game that's going to be played this coming Saturday. I preview Tennessee's defense on our Tuesday show. But what is their offense going to bring to the field? Obviously, they're going to be quite fast. But there are a few other intricacies as a part of this system that are going to be bringing some challenges to South Carolina. I'll dive into all that in just a little bit. But first, want to let y'all know that the spread right now for this game, according to Bet Online, is set at 22 points. And the over-under for the game, I believe, is set at 66.5 points currently. So if you think the Gamecocks are going to make this a uber-competitive game, then bet for the Gamecocks to cover that spread and also bet the under on the 66.5. If you think this is probably going to be a blowout, well, go ahead and just take Tennessee to cover and take the over. You know the drill with that. But Bet Online is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season, which began last week. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and analysis on every game that you can find. They're your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check out all of your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head on over to your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is where the game starts. We'll be back in just a couple moments. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so let's talk about this Tennessee Volunteers offense. We have put this off long enough throughout the duration of this week, and we are now on our Wednesday show. We need to go ahead and let's just address it. Um, Tennessee's offense is just really freaking good. 
All right, that's going to do it for today. No, I'm kidding. I'm not just gonna. I'm not just gonna leave y'all with that. I am gonna go a little bit in depth on this offense. So, in order to get a better idea of how Tennessee's offense works, I did go back and watch their game against the Missouri Tigers because the Tigers play a four-two-five defensive scheme, a base nickel formation, and they also do run a little bit of a three-two-six formation as a secondary set, which South Carolina runs in both parts. So. When looking at Tennessee's offensive play calling, they are basically a shotgun spread offense. You will not see them lined up under center. You will not see them lined up in the I formation. They do have their own little jumbo packages they will try out there, but they are going to spread you out. And I mean spread you out all the way to the sideline. They take a super wide alignment with their wide receivers, and that is to test all of your defensive backs and their ability to both cover space and tackle athletes in the open field. Of course, They're going to run a lot of tempo. It is their staple in that offense, what makes them so different from every other offense the Gamecocks have played all season. The only time that they will slow down with their tempo is if they are in a third down situation. Let's say maybe a third and long, so third and eight plus. It's the only time that you will see them not go quick trying to snap the ball. They will run some jet motion at times, motioning either to maybe a trips look or maybe to a shotgun doubles look with two wide receivers on either side of the field. Now, that is to be used as eye candy, but also to maybe see what kind of coverage South Carolina is about to run on the play, which will then let Hendon Hooker know where he probably needs to look to throw the football. So, with all that being said, if you are South Carolina's defensive coaching staff, do not substitute when Tennessee is on the far hash mark relative to your sideline. If you do that... Tennessee, they've got a bunch of support staff members that probably just look for little things like that. They will key in on that, and if they see that you're trying to sub when they haven't subbed, then they will try to line up and snap the ball, and more than likely, they will get you for illegal substitution. They will make you pay, and quite honestly, with the amount of teams that they have done that to this year, if you do it even one time on Saturday night, then um, it's a pretty bad look, just to be quite honest. So just don't do it. Don't give them an extra five yards that they do not need because of the way this offense runs. Now, when looking at the formations and sets, they will have a short route on just about every single passing play. This is not an offense where you're going to see pretty much everybody maybe running short routes or everyone running deep passing routes. There will always be at least one person that runs some sort of a slant or a dig or hitch, maybe a shallow cross, a comeback, etc. Those kind of short passing routes. You will normally see at least one guy running that kind of route, and Hennon Hooker's not afraid to dump the ball off repeatedly to that short passing route if the Gamecocks decide to play a lot of soft zone coverage on Saturday night and they continue to leave that short passing route open. So if you're South Carolina... You're going to have to balance your man coverage and zone coverage. Yes, man coverage means you're going to wear out that secondary a little bit more, a secondary that's already thin in terms of their depth, but you are not going to have a choice. If you are trying to go out there and win this football game, you're going to need to challenge these guys at the line of scrimmage. Now, Tennessee at times will also line up a tight end as an H-back or maybe a little offset next to an offensive tackle. When they do this, it means one of a couple things. Either a run is definitely coming, a RPO is coming, or a play-action pass is coming. So, point being, this is going to be used to try and test the eye discipline of South Carolina's linebackers. Sherrod Green, Brad Johnson, Bam Martin-Scott, Stone Blanton, Debo Williams, all these guys. 
you better be on your toes in this game. Because with this particular kind of formation, both of those formations, they will look to try to throw you off. And with this Tennessee offense and how fast that they run, both from a pace standpoint and with the athletes they have out on the edge, they will make you pay if they sucker you in enough time. South Carolina has not done good in this aspect, especially with the last few games. You cannot have this happen again against a team as good as Tennessee on this side of the ball. They also do have a stack set where they will literally stack one wide receiver right behind another one. They'll do it on either side or sometimes they'll do it on both sides instead of just one. In that kind of formation, they will run some RPOs. They'll also run some read option and they'll also run some inside runs just to try to keep the box defenders honest. They also do have a trips set in the shotgun formation as well. A side note for Tennessee's offense. In terms of where they are the best in their running game, I think that Tennessee's best run plays are on outside sweeps where they have a pulling blocker going from one side of the formation all the way to the other. So if you're a defensive end or a linebacker for South Carolina and you see a pull blocker going to a certain area for Tennessee's offense, go ahead and crash on in there and just try to wreck it. Don't sit there and wait for them to come to you. If you do that, Tennessee's going to get chunk yards after chunk yards on those running plays. So, got to look out for that if you're South Carolina. Now, in terms of Tennessee's personnel, when looking at the offensive line, their offensive tackles in Darnell Wright and Jeremiah Crawford, both of these guys, they're not terrible pass blockers, but they're not the greatest in terms of just holding their ground. They can be driven back a good ways to Hendon Hooker, especially Jeremiah Crawford. And when it comes to regular inside runs and just trying to get a hat on a hat with their blocking, This offensive line isn't the greatest necessarily. Normally, if they have success, that success is going to be because of the tempo that they are running, not because of how good the offensive linemen are per se. So if you're South Carolina, you've got to get some negative plays. You cannot allow them to constantly just get positive yards. Heck, even an incompletion. Treat that as a negative play for Tennessee because that's how good this offense is. But you gotta compile up enough of those pl- excuse me, but you gotta p- compile up enough of those plays in order to give yourself a chance up front in the trenches. Now, with their offensive skill positions, Hendon Hooker is a pretty good thrower of the football. But the thing that doesn't get talked about enough with him is he also is a pretty good athlete. And he can shed tackle attempts in the pocket. So in this case, if you're a South Carolina defender that does get through Scott Free, maybe one of South Carolina's defensive linemen wins their one-on-one. They get to Hendon Hooker. Your your tackling fundamentals, they better be sound because Hendon Hooker can break your sack attempt. And if he does and he finds an open area on the field, then he is going to find that open space, run right on through it, and he's going to get a lot of yards scrambling out of the pocket because he is deceivingly shifty and fast once he gets going. So you cannot let him escape the pocket time and time again if you're getting opportunities. One negative about Hendon Hooker as a quarterback is He is pretty accurate with the football, but he does have a tendency to sometimes put a little bit too much juice on his passes. So if you're South Carolina, because of this aspect, I would make the secondary run a lot of man coverage. Again, you're you're not going to be able to run man coverage on every single play. You're not going to want to against this team and with the depth concerns that you have. But in my eyes, if I was Clayton White, I'm going to make Hennon Hooker have to make perfect passes Throw it in line. Throw it right where the receiver can only get it and out of the way of the defensive backs. 
For that reason, press these receivers. Challenge them at the line of scrimmage. Make them have to beat your guys from the opening snap. If you do that, in my eyes, and you win enough of those battles, you will give yourself a fighting chance on the defensive side of the ball as long as the offense is playing some good complimentary football as well. Now, in terms of the wide receivers, of course, they got Jalen Hyatt, the speedster out of the group. Cedric Tillman, who can do a little bit of everything. He's been hurt this year, but he is arguably one of the best wide receivers in the country when he is fully healthy. Brew McCoy is a load to bring down. Probably the toughest wide receiver to bring down in my eyes. So you got to look out for him. And then you got tight end Princeton Fant, who might not see as many snaps as some of the other tight ends at his position, but he's a very athletic tight end and can showcase his best skills in the passing game. So if you have a condensed package that Tennessee runs, and you see Princeton Fant that's hiding somewhere back there, he's very likely going to go out there on some kind of wheel route or a leakage route, and you cannot lose track of him. So watch out for him on Saturday night as well. What are y'all's thoughts on Tennessee's offense and what they will bring to the field on Saturday? What are your thoughts on Shane Beamer and Cam Smith's comments from the Tuesday press conferences that they had. Let me know down below in the comments section if you're watching this live edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast on YouTube. You can also shoot me a message on Twitter at a line underscore SC if you're listening to this show right now on an audio podcast app. I thank all of you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch today. Now, for your next listen or watch, I'd like you to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Once again, thank y'all so much for listening to today's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll catch y'all on tomorrow's special crossover edition between the Locked On Gamecocks and Locked On Vols podcast. See y'all then.